Hey guys, on this episode of Manufacturing Unscripted, we have Baron Kendrick. Baron works at ATI Industrial Automation as a product manager. We discussed ATI's tool changers, how they are used with robots, and how they fit into Industry 4.0. We also bring up Automate in Detroit this week. Be sure to check out the ATI booth where you can see all their latest technology. Without further ado, enjoy the show. This podcast is sponsored by Promus Incorporated, the leading provider of fully electric servo presses for manufacturing. Promus provides global support for pressing and motion control applications in multiple industries. With precise positioning and in-process force monitoring, your company will begin to see ROI on day one. Call 810-229-9334 or email sales at promusinc.com to speak with an expert engineer about your application today. Hey guys, welcome to Manufacturing Unscripted. I'm your host, Matt Rawl. And I'm Lauren. Today we are joined with Baron Kendrick from ATI Industrial Automation. Baron is the standard tool changer product manager. How are you doing, Baron? Doing pretty good. How about you, Matt? Good, good. Uh, we, uh, I mean, we talked, what, four, three months ago, and so this is probably been the furthest out podcast recording I've had scheduled, or Lauren's <laughs> scheduled for me, so... Um, uh, so I'm excited to get started because I mean we've I've had the most time to think about this one, mm-hmm. um, and uh, with all first time guests like yourself, I, I I love to learn about your journey through the industry and kind of how you got to where you are today. So if you don't mind sharing a little bit about yourself, yeah, sure, no problem. Um, so originally I'm from Louisiana. Um, I've got a mechanical engineering background. Uh, really, my first. Uh, foray into robotics uh, was through an engineering co-op uh, junior year of college. Uh, we got a chance to go down to the New Orleans area and work for a plastics injection molding manufacturer. Uh, and they had an own, they had their own internal group for automation engineering, building robotic packaging cells just to help make their own product. And uh, I got a chance to be part of that team and it was really my first exposure to robotics and it was fantastic exposure for me. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to deal with uh, articulating, you know, six axis robots, scarab robots, gantry style. Um, we got exposure to end of arm tools, end defectors, uh, vision, machine vision, all sorts of things. Uh, and, and really tying all that together with custom automation. And I was hooked. So, yep. um, you know, a lot of machine design in that job. Uh, from there, after that role, uh, I worked with another uh, machine designer in the packaging industry. Um, took a little foray into uh, into the startup world for a while, just yep. to try something new, and actually worked for uh, a solar startup, okay. uh, photovoltaic startup. Um, still doing machine design and automation, but just in a different field. Um, but then I decided I, I did want to get more back into robotics. I've always just sort of been drawn to mm-hmm. robotic automation. So I had a chance to come work for ATI as a mechanical engineer. Um, so uh, I've been with the company about nine years now, uh, six years of that in the uh, senior mechanical engineering role, mm-hmm. and then the last three as a product manager. As the senior mechanical role, I guess, from the tool changer perspective, I guess, what what are a lot of the roles that you were kind of filling there? Uh, well, I was on a team of people that, yep. a team of engineers that designed the tool changers okay. and some of our, some of our other end effector products. So it was a new product development. 
working on new tool changer products, uh, not just the design, but then kind of working with the design verification teams and quality okay. teams to, to launch products. Okay. And then, and then ATI, I mean, it's, it's definitely a well-known name um, and it's become more commonplace with like the, the robotic side. Um, but obviously, I, you know, ATI has been around much longer than kind of the, the full-on robotic boom, which is in the industry. I guess, can you, can you tell us a little bit more about ATI and kind of what all is ATI? Yeah, uh, ATI is a company that has pretty humble beginnings. Um, it actually started in uh, about 30 years ago uh, within the Lord Corporation. Mm -hmm. So there was a, a group of um, engineers and, and salespeople associated with tool changers uh, within the Lord Corporation. Um, there was kind of a, an 80s and 1980s boom and bust cycle in robotics. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was towards the end of that, towards the bust part of the cycle, Lord Corporation decided, you know, we want out of this. We, we don't believe in robotics. We, we don't yeah. believe in the future of robotics. But those six people who work with the tool changers within that corporation did believe in it. Mm -hmm. um, and they chose to spin out of the company and, and start their own company. And that's really how, how ATI began. And then, um, you know, even with like the end effector side of it, the robotic tool changer, you know, what, is there an event that, you know, I know you weren't there probably, but is there an event like the ATI has marked as this is what's going to kind of push us more towards robotics versus say, you know, like five axis machines and or six axis mills and things like that? I really, you know, I wasn't there, like you said, yeah, yeah. at the time, but I have heard the stories. And, and yeah. my understanding is that at that time, after the spin out, again, it's just six people mm -hmm. in the company. Um, there were really about three key members who truly had that passion for robotics. Um, the other three, perhaps not so, not so much. And, and they did have to make a tough decision at that, at that point in time. Um, and as I understand it, um, three of them were let go and those people went on to pursue other interests in, in other industries, but those core three remained. Um, and it really was their, their belief in the future of industrial robotics and robotic automation. And just, I guess you could say they're just their passion for that yeah. industry that kind of carried them through that bust, um, mm -hmm. to the point where we are now, where, you know, 375 plus employees. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, part of a much larger corporation now as yeah. well. Yeah, it's definitely quite the payoff. I mean, to have that, you know, vision, um, it, it definitely must be very rewarding for them to kind of see that, you know, they were always on the right path because robotic technology is just skyrocketed. Yeah, it's yeah. funny to think that anybody ever thought, oh, robots, it's just a phase. <laughs> just you know, a phase. we'll get yeah. through it. Yeah, <laughs> just look at us now. Yeah, it seems silly now. Um, yeah. With the benefit of hindsight, they definitely made the right call and, oh, yeah, and put themselves sure. in the right place. Um, so kind of in those stories, and then just from your experience at this point, um, I guess why why did the tool changer become such kind of a important part of robotics? Why is that pairing so well? Yeah, well, I mean, a robot by itself without some kind of tool on the end is useless. Mm -hmm. So if you kind of take the opposite of that opposite of that statement and explore that, it's robots with more tools are more useful or mm -hmm. most useful. And so 
how do you get you know multiple tools with one robot? Well, introduce tool changers. And uh, I mean, really, I think this point for the listeners who may have no idea what a, a robot tool changer is. It, yeah. it sounds intuitive to me, but maybe not to everyone. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should kind of touch on what yeah. they are, what they do. Yeah, um, sure. You know, at its core, a, a tool changer, specifically robot tool changers, they allow that automatic exchange of different end effectors um, on the end of the robot arm. End effector is kind of an industry term too, like mm-hmm. what is that? Um, but most people understand grippers. Mo- that's yeah. the most common end effector out there for the end of a robot arm. You've got all sorts of different grippers, um, even things like vacuum cup tooling. It could be motors and spindles, uh, dispense nozzles, mm-hmm. or even inspection cameras. So any number of different end effectors, and you can automatically change those quickly and reliably with a tool changer. You've got the, the two halves. You've got the half that attaches to the robot arm, and then you've got the half that attaches to the tool. And, and really those are the most important thing in a tool changer is that core mechanism that mm-hmm. couples the two halves together. I mean, that's the foundation for all of it. Mm-hmm. And so ATI has just really built our foundation on that patented fail-safe ball lock mechanism mm-hmm. you know, to, do that, to do that coupling action. What about the misconceptions, you know, when it comes to tool changers? I mean, I don't, I don't hear of many, but I'm sure you probably would hear of them more often than I would. Um, what are some of the kind of the common misconceptions that you see within the industry when it comes to tool changers? First one, um, I guess we could talk about safety for a little yeah. bit. So a tool changer is a device that's designed to couple and uncouple. Mm-hmm. It's that uncoupling portion where people sometimes misunderstand the safety aspect of it because if it does uh, uncouple in a situation where you don't want it to that could pose a safety risk Mm -hmm. but tool changers have all kinds of safety built in to make sure that doesn't happen Um, we have sensors that can be placed inside the tool stand to make sure that you're docked safely before you uncouple that tool changer Um, but really if you take a step back there's even uh, a, a more important way where we add safety is because without a tool changer, customers are still going to have to need to change tools, whether that's for maintenance or to exchange, mm-hmm. uh, maybe run a different product. So you're, you want to put a different gripper or a different tool on there. That worker would have to enter the robotic cage and then do the manual, you know, get, bring his tools in there, his or her tools, you know, uh, take the screws out, disconnect wires and hoses and, and do all of that work themselves and then reconnect the next tool. And we could be talking about a fairly large robot. Yeah. We could mm-hmm. be talking about the, the payloads and the weights of these tools. It's just unsafe to be around the tools. So a tool changer inherently is more safe by allowing all of that to take place automatically behind the robot cage, you know, uh, mm-hmm. in, in the operator's space nice and clear. Yep. Yeah. And we, that's important note to, to, to mention in that and we're not talking, you know, we, we had another podcast where we talked about collaborative, a tool changer doesn't care whether the robot's collaborative or not. You know, you can be on a robot that's, you know, moving a, a vehicle around, um, and stuff like that. So, you know, for you guys, it's, it's not, there's not the assumption that you're dealing with collaborative robots. You have to cover all robots. Yeah, I mean, a collaborative robot arm at the end of the day is yeah, still yeah. a robot arm. Yeah. 
And it's not inherently safety. Uh, it's only safe if you choose to do safe things with it and do the safety analysis mm -hmm. and have the safeguards around it. Um, and so, yeah, we have to, uh, we have to keep that in mind. The industry has to keep that in mind when we're working and, with us. And I'm sure, you know, just to kind of build, you know, move from safety, there is a, a major cost advantage for a tool changer, right? Because that means, you know, one robot can support, you know, an unlimited amount of tools, whereas without that tool changer, you need one robot per tool. Yeah, there could be huge cost savings. I mean, the first reaction might mm -hmm. be for a customer to think, okay, I've already paid for a robot. You know, why should I spend more money to put yeah. a tool changer on the robot arm? That's just going to cost me more. So that's mm -hmm. kind of a misconception. But there's a lot of ways that tool changers save costs. Mm -hmm. um, the first is that if you have a robot that is doing a process, let's say it's doing that that task for 10 seconds every minute. So it's yeah. doing something for 10 seconds and then waiting for 50 seconds mm -hmm. for, for the next product. That's time that it could be doing something else. So you need to rethink your whole work cell. You know, what else could this robot be yeah. doing? Could it be doing two or three tasks? And then if so, using a tool changer to do that, that robot is staying busy every yep. second of the day. And by doing that, you know, you paid a lot of money for that robot. You want to get a lot of use out of it. That's mm -hmm. how you get that faster return on investment for your robot. Yep. The other way that you really get a lot of savings is by not having to have additional robots in all cases. Um, there's capital savings. You don't have that extra factory footprint um, that you're having to, you know, save space for. So a lot of ways that tool changers are really actually improving the cost situation. Yeah. And um, I don't know, in like a regular application, how many tool changers would you say you have like per robot? Um, in most of your cases. A little bit, you know, different way to phrase that would be <laughs> how many tool changers do you see maybe as a fraction of robotics? And you don't yeah. see tool changers needed on every robot. Mm -hmm. uh, some robots are in a factory with a dedicated product that runs nonstop. Mm -hmm. There is no time or need to do any other process. It's that, that one robot does right. that one task. But uh, a, a percent of them do or can benefit from tool changers. Mm -hmm. And when you do use a tool changer, you also typically have more than one tool. So most commonly it's two or three or four tools, but there are situations where we're talking about dozens or even a hundred different tooling options mm -hmm. that could be lying around, maybe on some storage rack or some warehouse that could be attached to that tool changer. Yeah. So it's extremely flexible. Yeah. It's super impressive. I've seen it done. It looks really cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Now from, I'm going to speak from the mechanical engineer design side of this. Um, the design of a tool changer, especially ATIs from what I've seen of them, hasn't changed drastically as technologies change, as you guys incorporate, you know, um, pneumatics, um, vacuum seals, water is another one that I saw recently. How is it from a design point of view that you guys are able to keep it so simple um, and kind of compact as you guys have? I mean, is that, is that, it's definitely gotta be difficult from the design point, I'm sure. Yeah, I think um, one of the ways that we simplify life for ourselves mm -hmm. and, and the customers is focusing on that product modularity and flexibility. Mm -hmm. um, 
having common features, common accessories that can be used across different models mm -hmm. um, really helps. You know, it's, it's sort of like having different Lego blocks and you can kind of pick and choose and build your own configuration. Um, you know, we've got models that range from like one kilogram payload rating all the way up to, you know, a couple, a uh, couple thousand kilogram payload mm -hmm. rating. So having modules that can sort of go on any of those models, you know, that helps. It also mm -hmm. helps a little bit with customers maintaining spare parts because, you know, one module could potentially serve several different robot sizes. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. I, I just, I look at the tool changers and I always find it fascinating how much they can really do and kind of incorporate and accommodate um, with just, you know, adding another module. And it, it really speaks to the design um, of the, of the tool changer in terms of, you know, what it can do. Yeah. Um, I mean, um, one of the things we talked about, you know, a minute mm -hmm. ago was that mechanical coupling that that's yeah. the first and foremost, that's the main part mm -hmm. of tool changing, but we really couldn't be much use as a product if it wasn't for all utility pass through support, yeah. um, because that's where, that's where you really have to start thinking about well, what is the end effector on the end of the robot? What is it trying to accomplish? Um, what does it need to operate? What type mm -hmm. of electricity uh, yep. does it need? Does it, do you need to have an ethernet connection running data back and forth, mm -hmm. you know, so you can be monitoring some kind of process? Do you need to supply cooling water yep. uh, for some so, sort of recirculation system? And so really that is what, that's what drives the conversation for us. That's what drives mm -hmm. the product portfolio is, is having the ability to support all of those different industry tools from the tool changer. Cause at the end of the day, you, you want tool changing to be almost invisible, seamless, yep. and just not something you think about. You just want it to be reliable, quick, and, uh, and really you want to focus on that, that end grip, that end effector or that process or that work piece. So you mentioned data, uh, and I want to bring up, you know, what does, you know, industry 4.0 mean, um, to you and, and kind of the tool changer? Well, industry 4.0 is all about data yep. sensors and connectivity to those sensors. And so when you think about it in that way, uh, tool changers, at, you know, at a very simple level, tool changers often have all sorts of status uh, sensors on them for monitoring the status. So mm -hmm. you, you probably want to monitor the lock or unlock state of the tool mm -hmm. changer. You, you could monitor things like air pressure, which is powering the tool changer. Um, if you have an onboard valve, say in a control module, a pneumatic air valve, you might want to monitor sensors that are detecting the position of that valve so you know what it's commanding the tool changer to do. So those are very, you know, basic ways that we're kind of using sensors mm -hmm. and monitoring processes. But um, outside of tool changers, actually, in an area that we have a lot of focus on that's probably even more suited to Industry 4.0, are uh, force torque sensors. Mm -hmm. Force torque sensors are often used on robots to feed that live force and torque data back to the robot controller. And, and that enables you to do all kinds of adjustments to your, your process on the fly. So if the robot is trying to do some kind of sanding process and you have a contoured workpiece, 
being able to sense the force, the pressing force against that contour allows the robot to follow that contour on the fly and make adjustments. Um, another example really is if you think about warehousing, you know, a robot could pick up a box and not just pick it up with a gripper. If you have a force sensor, you can tell well, how big is that box, mm -hmm. which, which orientation did I grab that box? And then based on that, where do I, where or how do I palletize that, that box? So, you know, really having that information on these products and sensors, feeding it back to the robot, to the controller, and then making live decisions about your process. That's, that's what industry 4.0 is to us. Yeah. And, and you kind of mentioned some kind of a little bit in there, some different applications in which, you know, you, you've seen, um, what about the tool changer side? I guess, what are some the ones that you're able to share, you know, I always like to put that in the beginning. Um, unique applications that you've been a part of where where the tool changers really excelled. Um, I mean, there's <laughs> there's so many yeah. to choose from. One of the really interesting things about being associated with this industry, and particularly this this type of product, yeah. is the applications are seemingly endless. Mm -hmm. um, just to throw out some, some interesting examples, you know, we've got tool changers that are large enough to lift an entire half ton pickup truck wow. um, on the factory floor, lifted up to some elevated second story conveyor belt, you know, to send it to another part of the factory. Uh, we've got tool changers that have been placed into foundry environments. That's really tough with all the heat. Mm -hmm. uh, we've even done nuclear power plant decommissioning, you know, work oh, cells. Okay. So the, the tool changer is almost considered a disposable. It lasts a yeah. number of years. It helps to tear down the, the nuclear plant. And then it's kind of, it's life is, is done. All sorts of things, um, you know, paint booths, pharmaceutical assembly, you name it. We've, we've seen it and we've put a tool changer there. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are, ATI is very similar to, you know, Promess in that, you know, we don't, necessarily develop a product for a specific industry you know it's kind of like a the intention is more universal in that you know as long as it meets these requirements you can use it you know and if it doesn't you know we'll look to see what we can do to make it work you know and so it's very it's very cool i mean it's definitely got to be kind of rewarding and 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 make the job fun coming in every day when you know, you know that you might get a new application that you've never even thought of before. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially from that project management. I mean, both of you are in that position now, which I think is funny that you both started out as mechanical and then went into project management. Most project managers, I think, normally start out as mechanical, <laughs> if I'm being honest. <laughs> That's kind of cool. It's just the way our brains work. Uh, we have something coming up, Automate. Um, I'm assuming, are you going to be there? I will be there. Yeah, I'll be um, there the entire week. ATI is uh, going to be there in full force. Okay. Uh, we're really looking forward to that. So this year, again, it's in Detroit, mm -hmm. Michigan, um, May 22nd to May 25th. Yep. It's going to be a really great opportunity to get, you know, an up-close look at the latest ATI products. Uh, we're going to have a pretty big booth there. We've got a big staff. And um, as always, we've got all sorts of live robot demonstrations showing off a, a really diverse, you know, a range of products and applications. Anything special you're able to mention ahead of time that you might want to point out? 
Yeah, we've got a few things that we're focusing on that are newer. So we've got a new QC29 tool changer that's sort of for those that medium range of robot payloads. Um, we've also got, you know, in some other spaces, other product lines, we've got a new compliant angle grinder. Um, that's, mm -hmm. that's for allowing robots to do those grinding and finishing tasks. And then we've got the Axio 130, which is a new force torque sensor. It's sort of an expansion of that Axia family which is a more cost-effective force torque sensor. And this is one of the larger ones, if not the largest one in that family. So, you know, we've got the new products. We, yeah. We've also got some automated de demonstrations, you know, with our partners and, and customers in the industry, companies like 3M, Arc mm -hmm. Specialties, Atlas Copco, Fanuc America. So mm -hmm. um, automate is going to be a big deal as always. Mm -hmm. um, plenty to see plenty of robotic applications to explore. We're uh, looking forward to it. No, that's great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's last year when I went, it was, it was phenomenal. And, you know, I think um, the nice thing about automate, just with the way the industry is going, I feel like people are always bringing new stuff. Yeah. Um, they don't miss the opportunity to showcase new and exciting things that they've been working on. Um, especially since things had died down for a short period because of the pandemic. You know, we're getting to a point now where people are back in full force and, and really bringing out all the stops. Mm -hmm. Yeah, last year the attendance was great. This year it's probably going to be even better. So yeah. um, maybe uh, I'll see you out there. We'll be at booth 3500. Uh, love to have you guys yeah. come over and stop by and see the latest we have to offer. Yeah, we'll be at, bo at the Promise booth uh, 5007. Um, so you guys can come check us out also. But. Yeah. Matthew and I will be wandering around, I'm sure. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, so that's the nice thing about shows in my position is, unfortunately, I'm sure you probably have to work it more than you can actually enjoy it. Um, being close to Detroit, mm -hmm. we're able to just go and visit and walk it. And um, I definitely, at this show specifically, make sure that I'm able to walk it rather than work it. Yeah. Um, so uh, kind of changing the pace a little bit because i just like to ask this question and because you're in a different industry different area different region um what are you most excited about um within the industry you know maybe non-it related IT, ati sorry ati related um that's going on is there is there anything else that you are excited to see where it goes well if i kind of take a step outside of ati and yeah. just think about the industry yeah, yeah for um, sure I just, I'm excited about the direction, the trend, I would say, of industry. Yeah. Being in a growing industry that is projected to continue to grow mm -hmm. for the foreseeable future is just an exciting place to be. I mean, there are you know, so many forces right now that are driving that growth, driving that increased adoption of robotic automation. Um, you know, one of the main things is you've got, you know, advancement of the actual technology. You have mm -hmm. advancements in artificial intelligence, machine learning. Um, you have all of this leading to, you know, allowing robots to do things that maybe previously they couldn't do, or maybe people thought they would never be capable of. So it's sort of, ex it's opening up the envelope to new things mm -hmm. uh, with all of this new capability. Um, of course, we touched on this a little bit. You've got the emergence of collaborative robots. Yep. Mm -hmm which can work safely alongside humans, you know, if integrated correctly. So um, that's kind of neat to see. You're sort of, you're starting to see more 
consumer grade like robots, if you want to mm-hmm. call them that, you know, smoother, sleeker, like something you'd want to buy if you're just an individual consumer, you know, like a, the iPhone of, yep. of uh, robots. A robot to make me cocktails or something. Yeah. And then you've got, doing I mean, the cost of all of this is really, is really going down. Um, mm-hmm. Robots are not cheap, but right. costs are going down. And when you think about it in terms of what that robot is going to do for your company, in terms of you know return on investment, costs are really all coming down. So I mean, it's a it's a worthwhile investment, and it's it's nice to be part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Baron, uh, we're definitely going to have to to meet up at Automate. Um, I I'm not sure what day I'll be there, but I'll definitely let you know. Um, I think Lauren and I will be walking probably together. Yeah. Um, hand in hand. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Just uh, kidding. <laughs> Um, but Lauren, I think you have some notes. Yes. Uh, I just want to thank everybody for listening. Please don't forget to rate and review and also subscribe to this podcast. If you are listening on an audio medium, you can watch it also on YouTube. If you'd like, please subscribe to that channel. Um, and don't forget to visit us at the booth. Like I said, promise is at five zero zero seven. We'll also be there and they're our number one sponsor. So (laughs) give them some love, I guess. Um, yeah, so come say hi, and we'll have stickers to pass out, too, yeah. at the Automate Show. Um, and, and Baron, thank you so much for doing this. Um, really informative, really good info for me, um, I'm both as a podcast host and um, someone who deals in this industry. It's yeah. good good info for me as well. Um, uh, is there anything else that you'd like to say before we wrap things up? Just uh, thank you for having me. Glad to have been part of this conversation. Very nice to uh, be able to talk with you and Lauren this morning. And um, yeah, just uh, if anyone out there is listening and they have more questions or they're curious about sort of our products or tool changers, feel free to check us out on our website, ati-ia.com. All right, great. Well, thank you, everyone. Until next time. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Promise Incorporated, hosted by Matthew Rawl, mixed and edited by Ben Parsons, and produced by myself, Lauren Rawl. If you have any questions or would like to be on the podcast, please reach out to podcast at promiseinc.com.